This is everything you want to know about non-clinical careers for physicians. For Third Evolution, I'm your host, Robert Pretty. So let's talk today about leaving your comfort zone. Because if you really want to move into a non-clinical career, you're going to have to step away from what's easy and comfortable. So it's time to leave your comfort zone. If you've visited my website, thirdevo.com, you've probably read about my process. I divide client engagements into three phases. Phase one is diagnostics. I call that a career diagnosis. Phase two is market readiness and personal branding. In this phase, we focus on developing your presentation, support documents, and marketing materials. Phase three is market entry and development. I always expect clients to work smoothly through phases one and two. You might think of it as a new patient visit. Most patients are able to participate freely and comfortably during initial exams. After all, they're seeing you because they want your help. The same reason clients come to me. They readily share their symptoms and their questions. They see this as a time to unburden themselves and to find help and support for their issues. Likewise, as you present a treatment plan to your patients, they are relieved to know there's both hope and a way forward. Then comes treatment. Now your patient moves from being a somewhat passive participant in their care to an active participant, actually the primary participant. Now you've stepped back in your role from leading the process to directing or managing it. Now it's time for your patient to perform, to take their meds, to change their lifestyle, to participate in therapy or rehab, or some other form or level of a new activity. Now it's not as easy, and literally, Everything your patient is doing represents some level of some sort of personal change. This is hard. Change is hard. Change is especially hard when you're being asked to leave your comfort zone. And that's what's happening with your patients. You're asking and expecting them to leave their comfort zones. It's exactly the same with your career change. Moving successfully from a clinical to a non-clinical career requires you to leave your comfort zone. Are you ready? Actually, and this is the real question, are you ready and do you know what leaving your comfort zone means? Again, think about your patient. It sounds great to lose 20 pounds. Your patient can see himself with a new silhouette. He can see himself doing new things. He can almost see a new person, but, but he doesn't know what that means. Does he understand his ratio of calories in versus calories out will most likely have to change? And does he actually understand that walking a couple of miles doesn't even equal one Snickers bar? I'll bet he doesn't. And I'll bet when it comes to career change, you don't either. That is, I bet you don't know that non-clinical career transition is not the same as seeking a different clinical practice. It's not about applying to a list of jobs online. And I bet you don't know that it's not about calling a few recruiters and telling them that you're a smart good learner, hard worker, and willing to do just about anything that uses your experience in education. No, it's not about that at all. Not about that if, again, your objective is to transition into the very best possible next career step, a non-clinical career step just for you, not just any job. Let me tell you a story. Some years ago, a friend of mine bounded into the office after lunch. He had a big smile and he exclaimed, you'll never guess who I'm going to have a meeting with. And he dropped a name saying he's president of XYZ Company. I've been wanting to meet him for a very long time. I said, well, that's great. How'd you get to meeting? This is the part about leaving one's comfort zone. 
He started by saying, well, after lunch, I decided to run my car through the car wash down the street. It was pretty empty, so I thought I'd be quick. Okay, well, we're all thinking he ran into the gentleman at the car wash, right? No. He goes on to say, there was only one other person waiting, so I said hello. And she said hello. She had a neat-looking little sports car, so I commented on her car, and she started to tell me about it a bit. She compared it a couple of times to a jet airplane, so I asked her if she liked airplanes. At this point, if you think you know where this is headed, you're a mind reader, because as my buddy explained to me, all I could ask myself was, what's he talking about? He relayed that she said that her father took her along on the corporate jet sometimes. My friend, who used to sell time on corporate jets, then said, oh, I bet I have something you'd like to see. He had a few of those very high-end, limited publication magazines that are sourced only to corporate jets. So he went to his car and brought back a couple for her to see. As they talked about the experiences of corporate jet travel, he said, uh, you said you travel with your dad. Who is he? Well, she gave his name and company, and my friend exclaimed, really? I know your dad. You do, she said. Well, he said, not, not personally, but by reputation. Going on that he'd always wanted to meet him, yada, yada, yada. Well, she pulled out her phone, called her dad, and set up a meeting with my friend, this really great fellow who knows a lot about corporate aircraft, and yes, that's the end of the story. So could you, would you have done that? Well, probably not. We both know that. Probably when you saw another person waiting for her car, you and I would probably have avoided eye contact and stood staring out the window as your car was pulled through the cleaning brushes. And for the most of the rest of us, all we would have achieved that afternoon was a somewhat cleaner car. If you want to actually meet the people you want to be working with or working for, you're going to need to step out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to do what my friend did. You're going to have to actively engage other people. You get the point. The point is this. Only you can sell you. Recruiters aren't going to do it for you, and online job applications will only take you as far as the virtual circular file. Ken Venturi, the professional golfer and commentator, used to say, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, that reminds me of another story. A physician friend of mine, in the midst of career transition, struggled mightily with the process of networking. When I first suggested to her that networking, rather than applying for jobs, would most likely be her ticket to change, she was nearly speechless, only able to say, Bob, I just don't believe I can do that. Her problem was that she equated networking with sales, her version of sales, that is. After all, you've all been to the conferences with those breakout vendor networking sessions, and what are they? It's just an opportunity for the vendors to buttonhole you and shove as many brochures as possible into your goodie bag. It's fairly hardcore sales, right? And... You want nothing to do with that. I know, and actually, you're right. That's not what you should be doing. But as I explained to her, it is selling, but it's not selling like that. It's selling like this. When you sit down with a patient and explain how you approach hip replacement and how other patients have recovered, you, you, you see yourself as simply sharing information that will help your patient. But I... I see that as very high-level sales. Sales predicated on facts and educating your listener about those facts. Really, you as a physician are selling all the time, but there's a great difference between handing a patient a brochure that says you're a better surgeon than anyone else, 
something you'd never do, and selling by simply sharing surgical process and outcome facts to your patient so he or she can make better decisions and elevate their trust and confidence in you. Networking, that is good networking, is about sharing facts and information the listener should find helpful, informational, and perhaps educational. And done well, it will also establish a level of credibility for you. But let me return to my client. We worked together to find meetings that addressed her field of interest where she could simply attend and observe. No pressure. Just consume the event. We found several, and following one I knew she was attending, the next morning my phone rang. It was her, my client. It said so on the caller ID. I braced myself for her to tell me how horrible was the experience and that she would never do this again. However, her excitement was immediately apparent. Her exclamation was direct, succinct, and said it all. I went there afraid, she said. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to find anyone to network with, but it turned out they all wanted to network with me. What she shared was a story I've heard many times from many different clients. At this particular event, while there were physician executives in the room, she was the only practicing physician, which made her opinions, her comments, much more timely than those who'd been sitting behind a desk for years. As soon as it was learned that she was a practicing surgeon, as she told the story, everyone wanted her particular take or insights on the topics and issues being discussed. She was a star, and her opinion of networking was forever changed by one venture outside, way outside her comfort zone. Here's the truth about comfort zones. As soon as you cross the threshold and realize nothing bad can happen to you, actually that something positive is more likely to happen, the barrier is gone. What my client learned was that she had information and facts people wanted to hear. I'll bet you do as well. I'm working with a physician now who wants to work in online education. He's already produced a large quantity of online programming that's very professionally done and clearly illustrates not only a personal comfort level with delivering material online, but also considerable technical skill and knowledge. However, his interest area is in an academic arena that's not commonly taught online. To learn more about where and how to have the conversations he needs to have, I've made this recommendation. I've suggested he simply visit the nearby university and walk around campus. In other words, develop some comfort. Expand his comfort zone simply by being there. Then I've suggested whether on this trip or a second visit, he venture into some buildings and look for someone who looks like faculty. By introducing himself as a physician and as a physician interested in how the university is dealing in today's pandemic environment, de dealing that is with the conflict between educational needs, having students unable to return to campus on full force, and the need to continue to meet their educational needs, he's opening the door to a very broad and timely conversation, and a conversation that falls back on epidemiology and disease transmission and integrating that all into a complex social environment that only a physician can have. Now, that he just walked in off the street, well, that isn't a problem. If the person he meets says, I'm too busy to talk, he can then ask if the topic is of interest. If so, offer to return on another day. Perhaps they could grab a coffee or lunch. If this instructor is not that interested in his work, then ask who may be interested, and then where might that person be found? 
who on campus are dealing with these issues and these questions. This is a process that can be implemented in person, by phone, by email, text, whatever means will work for your schedule and the schedule and availability of the people you want to meet. The worst thing that can happen is that you're ignored. If you are, then target someone else. And that too goes to your comfort zone. You're not used to being ignored. And if you are ignored, your most likely response may be confrontational. At least, that was certainly my experience in hospital administration, but not here and not now. If you're ignored, you have two reasonable courses of action. First, you may want to confirm that you're actually being ignored. To do that, you send a follow-up email or repeat whatever communication method you had used. And note in that message that this is a repeated correspondence and ask if whatever follow-up you had originally requested could be pursued. Then if you receive no reply, you are best to simply write off that person. The second acceptable response is to literally accept their initial no response as their response and move on. What I'm stressing is that part of stepping out of your comfort zone is believing or expecting that no one will ever return your phone call or your other communique. Today, everyone returns your calls. However, moving to the non-clinical world, expect that no one will. Of course, some will, but few, if any, will have the need or the self-inflicted requirement to return your calls as you experience today. If you believe and expect no one will return your call, then it will push you to continue to reach out to them, and it will force you to be creative. After all, you just can't call and leave 50 phone messages for someone. Networking is not stalking. Also, I want to add a very specific and important point here. It's about LinkedIn. LinkedIn has become the business world's repository for career positioning. It's the place everyone has to have a profile and everyone wants that magical 500 plus contacts listed on their profile, which generally means your exact number of contacts is no longer listed. You're now simply considered a super networker. What it actually means is someone has indiscriminately tried to connect with as many people as possible and accepted every invitation they received. Now, now I'll put that in context. Don't get me wrong. LinkedIn does have value, it's just not always the value you expect or the value you want. One value, or better said, absence of value, I'll share. I'm a healthcare consultant. I work with physician careers, as you obviously are aware, but I also work on international healthcare projects. To the latter, I needed a contact in business development with a certain kind of specialty hospital. I knew the target hospital I wanted to visit. So I went to LinkedIn and searched for staff from that hospital. You can do that on LinkedIn. I found a staff member in an administrative role who happened to also be a graduate of the same university I attended for undergrad. I ended up sending him about six communiques through LinkedIn messaging. I referenced some shared background and our shared university experience. I never heard a word. And I've had several clients with exactly the same experience. LinkedIn can be a group networking resource if you like the platform and you can use it to communicate with people you actually know. But as I've said before, and I'll repeat it, using LinkedIn to contact new people, and that includes people you're connected to but don't really know, well, use it with that same expectation. Expect that you'll never get a response, and I assure you, you will never be disappointed and only possibly pleasantly surprised. By the way, I eventually did reach the person I wanted. 
I cold called the CEO's office, went through three different avenues and about a dozen unreturned phone calls, but finally reached the right person. And believe me, that was way outside my comfort zone, but I could do it because I knew I had something of value to present to them. Back to selling yourself. If you believe you have something of value to provide a person or an organization, it makes cold calling or any call or contact much easier. If you're just beating the bushes, as they say, well, that's a difficult call. One final point on your comfort zone. I know you. I know who you are. That's right, you. You see, I've studied, actually tested physician behaviors for many years, about six times longer than Gladwell's 10,000-hour threshold, as a matter of fact. And this is what I found. 50% of all physicians, plus or minus a percentage point or two, you fall into one behavioral category that defines you as very unlikely to be comfortable networking. And if I combine the statistics for those who are very unlikely with simply those who are unlikely, the number increases to about 70%. Conversely, only about 15% of physicians are likely to instinctively embrace networking. Behavioral orientation doesn't mean you can't do it, nor does it mean you can't or won't do it well. But what it does mean is that it either is or is not in your comfort zone. So what's your takeaway here? First, you will almost certainly have to leave your comfort zone to implement a successful non-clinical career transition. Second, consider it in patient management terms. You are asking patients to leave their comfort zones every day. The results are overwhelmingly positive. Realize nothing bad is going to happen and realize that your fear of a bruised ego is most likely to be replaced by an inflated ego when you realize that when you're offering something of value people really do want to hear what you have to say and that goes to number four have something of value develop something of value to offer others study what you want to be doing non-clinically and think about it functionally not based on some elusive job title Define your value and learn who needs what you want to offer. If you believe you're providing value, it's much easier to step out of your comfort zone than if you're just blindly applying based on job titles and asking others for help. And number five, as Nike says, just do it. I guarantee you'll be pleasantly surprised. Once again, for Third Evolution, Non-Clinical Careers for Physicians, this is Robert Pretty. For comments about this or any of my podcasts, don't hesitate to contact me at 720-339-3585. That's for voice, message, or text. And visit me online at www.thirdevo.com. Until next time, thank you for listening.